0: Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says. Today, we're going to follow up on that story about the flogging of Daniel Morgan. Uh, Yesterday, we left him up in Canada as a prisoner of war. Well, they had an exchange of prisoners. When he rejoined Washington in early 1777, Morgan was surprised to learn that he had been promoted to colonel for his efforts at Quebec. He was assigned to raise and command a new infantry (laughs) regiment. Go out and get some more men. Hire them. You know, that's that's, that's the regiment. Well, the 11th Virginia Regiment of the Continental Line. (laughs) Uh, Daniel Morgan. By this time, he'd gained a fierce reputation as a great leader of these sharpshooters. Now, remember those American long rifles? Just to refresh your memories, they were Washington's secret weapon. The British were using their muskets, and the American Continental Army regulars were using the French musket. They were both fearsome weapons, and boy, they could reach out and touch somebody. I'll tell you they could. And they proved themselves in battle. But they couldn't shoot straight. You couldn't hit the broadside of a barn unless you were in it. And that's why the British fought their men in a line and commanded them to fire at the same time. Can you imagine trying to hit your target when somebody else yelled fire? (laughs) Of course not. Can't do it. But it didn't matter. All they wanted was a fierce volley of lead balls flying down range. Then that line of men would kneel down and reload, while the line behind them would step forward through the first line, and and then on command, they would fire. And then the third line would step through that line, and by that time, the first line was all loaded up again, and the officer would just say, Ready, aim, fire! Ready, aim, fire! Ready, aim, fire! And they'd march right over the field. Can you imagine what that would do to the enemy? Why, scared their liver loose. That body of men just kept on coming. You shoot them, they'd fall down, they'd step over their comrades, and that line just kept on coming. Can you imagine the discipline that had to be in place for those redcoats to continue marching into fire like that? That's why they ruled the world. Discipline. (sighs) By using those tactics, the British Army had conquered nearly all the world. They just stood there, loading their rifle out in the open and getting shot at. Well, to maintain that discipline and to develop the honor code that accompanied that discipline, they had very severe and immediate punishments for any infractions, and that is why Daniel Morgan was flogged almost to death, and it was intended that he indeed die. That he lived is just testament to his indomitable spirit. General Burgoyne wanted to make sure that everyone knew that punching a British officer was just not acceptable behavior and not using your best judgment. Daniel Morgan never forgot, nor did he forget General Burgoyne. On June 13, 1777, Morgan was also placed in command of the Provisional Rifle Corps, a light infantry unit of 500 riflemen selected primarily from Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Virginia. Those are the states that made the best long rifles. (laughs) Many were drawn from his own permanent unit, too. They already had experience as long rifle sharpshooters for Morgan. Washington assigned them to harass General William Howe's rear guard, and Morgan followed and attacked them during their entire withdrawal across New Jersey. His sharpshooters wreaked havoc, and those poor disciplined soldiers just couldn't do anything to stop him. (laughs) Morgan's regiment was reassigned to the Army's Northern Department then, and on August 30th, he joined General Horatio Gates to aid in resisting Burgoyne's offense. yep that Burgoyne. The very same that had him flogged 20 years before. Can you imagine how Morgan felt? Let me at him! Send me in, coach! Ha-ha! <laughs> Well, Morgan led his regiment with the added support of Henry Dearborn's 300-man New Hampshire Infantry as the advance to the main forces. He was the pointy end of the spear! At, At Freeman's farm, they ran into the advance of General Simon Fraser's wing of Burgoyne's force. Every officer in the British advance party died in the first exchange. (laughs) That's how you use your sharpshooters. The advance guard retreated. (laughs) That's how he did it. Daniel Morgan first shoot the Indian scouts and then take out their officers. And the British didn't like that at all. They didn't think that was very gentlemanly. As the British began to form on the fields at Freeman's Farm, Morgan's men continued to break these formations with accurate rifle fire from the woods on the far side of the field. Way out of the British musket range. But <laughs> they had just pick em off, pick them off, pick them off. Eventually the British withdrew. The Americans claimed victory. This was the beginning of the Battle of Saratoga, the turning point in the American Revolution. Daniel Morgan got his revenge by winning the most pivotal battle against his old nemesis, General Burgoyne. This next action just added insult to injury as Daniel Morgan really cleans house with General Burgoyne's army. Uh, You see, Burgoyne's next offensive resulted in the Battle of Bemis Heights. It's really part of the Saratoga battle, but uh, Morgan was assigned to command of the left or western flank of the American position. The British plan was to turn that flank using an advance of 1,500 men. This brought Morgan's brigade once again up against General Fraser's forces. Passing through the Canadian Loyalists, Morgan's Virginia sharpshooters got the British light infantry trapped in a crossfire. Although the British Light Infantry broke, General Fraser was trying to rally them, encouraging his men to hold their positions when Benedict Arnold arrived. Now, he, he's the boss, Benedict Arnold, at this point. Arnold spotted him, and he called over to Morgan. Quote, that man on the gray horse is a host unto himself and must be disposed of direct the attention of some of the sharpshooters amongst your riflemen to him. Well, Morgan... I mean, he, he was not only an officer, I mean, he was the boss, he was the main one. But Morgan reluctantly agreed to what Benedict Arnold told him to do and ordered Fraser shot by a sniper. And Timothy Murphy goes down in history as making the shot that turned the tide of the battle and took out Fraser. And with Fraser mortally wounded, The British light infantry fell back into and through the redoubts occupied by Burgoyne's main force. Morgan was one of those who then followed Arnold's lead to turn a counterattack from the British middle. Burgoyne retired to his starter positions, but about 500 men poorer for the effort. That's the sharpshooters! That night he withdrew to the village of Saratoga, New York. And during the next week, as Burgoyne dug in, Morgan and his men moved to his north. Their ability to cut up any patrol sent in their direction convinced the British that retreat was not possible. Daniel Morgan. Hard drinkin', foul talkin', hard hitting brawler and consummate gambler. I loved him. You know I missed out on that flog and it, it happened before my time but knowing Daniel as I did get to know him, I figure he just might have had that flogging coming. He probably mouthed off while he was being sentenced. (laughs) Anyway, we're sure glad he got flogged, because when he sat down with his sharpshooters in front of Burgoyne's army and was told to sick he did just that. Why, he shot their lights out and then bludgeoned them hip and thigh. He got his revenge. Our armies carried the day and the whole course of the war was changed. Thank you, Daniel Morgan. Hey, thanks for listening, folks. Remember, until tomorrow, you're learning the truth. Tell your friends, speak with boldness, and keep your powder dry.